Welcome to The Definitive Rap, where we report the truth about American exceptionalism. We love our flag, we love our country, and we believe in America. The Definitive Rap, where we respect people of faith, the men and women in blue, and our support for Israel. And now, your host, Bela Sebraff on The Definitive Rap. Hello, I am Bela Seabrow, and welcome to The Definitive Rap. Thank you to Vin News for hosting our show. Since 1948, more than 3 million Jews have made Aliyah. According to the Jewish agency Anefesh Benefesh, over 3,000 immigrants from the United States moved there. I personally have friends who have made Aliyah, and uh, most people that I know know somebody who made Aliyah. Our guest today is a woman who is making Aliyah, and we will hear about her experiences from her perspective and um, with regards to the process that people may want to know about but um, are afraid to ask. Everything you wanted to know about making Aliyah will, will be your answer today. Lisa Berlowitz grew up in Lincoln, Nebraska, where her family community and going into Jewish summer camp developed her strong Jewish identity and love of Israel. Throughout her life, she has constantly strived to increase her commitment to Torah values, ethical behavior, and love of chesed. This journey led her to find her bashert in Far Rockaway, New York. Throughout their shared love of sports on a Facebook group for divorced from singles, this is where it all began for her. And on her first date, uh, Lisa shares, is, is when they realized they both had an unfulfilled lifelong desire to make Aliyah. So they decided to pursue that dream together and will hopefully soon be moving to Naharia before the Chagim this year. Lisa, welcome to the Definitive Rap. Thank you, Vela. Many people have the emotional and spiritual drive to make Aliyah. But what brought about the actual moment when you said, okay, I'm ready to do this now? Oh, gosh. Um, I would say that it was a lot of things that led up to that moment. But um, at that moment, we both knew that we wanted to move. And there were are certain reasons we're not completely happy where we're at right now. And we had said the previous couple of times that we moved, you know, if we move again, we're moving to Eretz Israel. We're not moving again in the United States. And we looked at each other and we went, well, are we moving again in the United States or are we going to Eretz Israel? Like we have always said we want to do. Well, where were you moving around from? Uh, we've stayed in Far Rockaway. We've just moved from the one street to another street. You know, the first apartment was too small. And then, you know, certain things came up at different times. And so right. we've moved around Far Rockaway a little bit. Right. And uh, this time we said, you know what? If we're going to move again, let's mean it. Let's go to Eretz Israel. So I have a very good friend in Naharia and he had been urging me for quite a while knowing that I have wanted to do this since I was 17 and he was like Lisa you have to come to Naharia you're gonna love it and he was so right so 
we we went and saw Naharia and fell in love with it and knew that you know we looked at several different places but we just felt in Naharia that this was the right fit what was it about Naharia specifically that uh drew you to that to that place so um my good friend you know, said, come visit. And it's hard to resist when you know that there's a beautiful Mediterranean beach right there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, I had um, looked online and there was a group of English speakers there, not all Americans, but definitely all Anglo speaking people. And, you know, Hashkacha Pratis, I guess, because um, one of the people who was in this group in Naharia. His son is a rabbi in Kansas City, where I lived before I came to Far Rockaway. And I said, oh, isn't that nice? The the rabbi's son in Kansas City is making a, a, a brit milah. And my husband said, what'd you say their name was? And I said the name again. And he was like, I know him. And so I contacted the rabbi and said, yeah, I think you and my husband know each other. And he was like, oh my gosh, of course we know each other. So I have a friend there. My husband has a friend there. We were really, really welcomed by the Anglo speaking community. Um, Just, they made a big fuss over us and made us feel very welcomed. And um, between the beauty of the place, it's affordable. So we knew we could do it financially, um, having friends there and knowing that my my husband's Hebrew is really good. Mine is not as good. Well, he would tell you in Far Rockaway, his Hebrew is really good. The Eretz, maybe not quite so much. (laughs) Right, right. So I guess that would mean that you would have to uh, join an Ulpan to learn the language. Absolutely. And that was another thing to my, my friend who lives there is an Ulpan teacher. And he said, he doesn't teach in Naharia, he teaches very close by. But he said, I know all the teachers in Naharia, and I'm going to get you set up in the best group. And you're going to really do great. Plus, I'll help you with your homework whenever Ah, you need it. (laughs) So um, he's Sabra, so he was born um, there and speaks Hebrew like an Israeli and speaks English like an American. So um, it's nice to know that, you know, if I need to go to the doctor, if I need somebody to really be able to translate for me, he's right there and he's absolutely willing to do anything to help us out. So that's a huge, huge uh, draw there, just knowing that we're not going to be on our own once we get Right. So when you were growing up in Nebraska, was that also something, was Aliyah something that you also considered or that, or this dream really came about much later? I went to a camp, summer camp that had an Israel program between your junior and senior years. So I went on that. I really did not want to go. I was being very 17 and I wanted to stay home with my friends. And this was going to be our last summer before college and yeah. all of that. And my father kept saying, you're going. I've wanted to go my whole life, you know, since 1948, I've wanted to go. And I can't go, but I'm going to make sure you go. Wow. And I fought it tooth and nail, but he got me on that airplane. And I had such 
a feeling of homecoming and such a feeling of belonging there that before the program was over, I actually went to Hebrew University and asked them if I could um, see if I would qualify to enroll there. And they were very excited. They contacted my high school. I only had one credit of gym left to do before I could graduate. The high school said, oh, we'll waive that if you're in a college program, you know. And um, then I called home. <laughs> my parents said, you better be on that airplane. <laughs> oh, yeah, they were eager to send you, but they weren't going to let you go there for, for permanent reasons. Exactly. Yeah. And being 17, you know, I think I can understand their sure. uh, their hesitancy. That's a long, long way away. And in the 80s, it was even longer you know it wasn't so easy to make phone calls and yeah no, of course and communicate so um yeah my mother was like if you're not on that airplane I will hunt you down <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure she would have I'm sure she would have too so I came back home and thought you know okay I'll finish high school and then I'll go as soon as I finish high school but then life happened and I met my first husband and ended up getting married and you know putting it off putting it off putting it off and had children and right. all of that so sure. I kind of came to a a place after I got divorced and I said you know you've been using your husband previously as an excuse why you're not doing things you know in a more Torah way mm -hmm. I can't keep kosher fully because my husband won't do it you know and um, I just looked in the mirror one day and said, is this what you want or is this not what you want? Because you have to stop fooling yourself. If you want it, then you need to do it. Mm -hmm. And so I started living a much more Torah observant life. Right. And uh, thank God, because then I, you know, happened onto the from divorced singles group that I met my husband in and. And, uh, you know, it was a, a crazy way to meet, but, um, God has, he, God has his ways. Oh, and you know, it's really true because I don't know how we would have met. We, you know, I was in Kansas city. He was here in New York. We really didn't have a lot of common people that we knew. We do have one, but, um, you know, it just wasn't probably going to happen. And thank God I grew up in Nebraska because I love sports. And my husband saw me posting on Facebook about sports. And he was like, wow, a from Jewish gal that likes sports. That's crazy. So um, he liked the things I was posting. I liked the things he was posting. And it just actually happened to be the year when the Kansas City Royals played his favorite team, the Mets, in the World Series. And so I had been posting like in June how great the Royals were and we're going to go all the way this year. And he kept saying things like, yeah, talk to me in October. Okay. Oh. And so October came and I was like, hello, we're coming to New York. Right, right, right. <laughs> How how long did Aliyah approval take for you? Uh, walk us through the steps. It is a process. Okay. So that's I what we it, all want to know. Yeah, I think if you 
have not been divorced it's maybe not quite as grueling um so okay they won a lot of paperwork of course the first thing to do i would say is to go to nefesh benefesh and fill out an application online and they have a lot of questions about you know your family and your parents and your grandparents and uh background and then once you they want they want to determine that you're actually jewish is that what it is absolutely absolutely so then um once they see that uh you qualify under the law of return um then you start to send in documentation to back up the questions that you filled out so you're going to have to get a birth certificate and i found out in new york unlike nebraska (laughs) there's two forms in new york there's the short form birth certificate which a lot of people have just in their possession and there's a long form birth certificate and you have to have the long form i wasn't aware that there is a long form (laughs) yeah it's um so you have to send away for your birth certificate then once you get the birth certificate it has to be certified by the um state that the person who signed the birth certificate not the doctor but the actual person who uh works for the office of vital records or you know whatever um is qualified to have signed that birth certificate so you send it away for that and then they send it back to you with that then you have to send both of those forms away for something that's called an apostille and an apostille from my understanding um has to do with an international treaty that a lot of countries have signed that they will use this form of verification um, for all international documents that are, you know, like a birth certificate. So it's sort of like having um, the United States, the, the state government of New York say, we verify that all of these things are real and true and accurate. So first you get your birth certificate, then you send it off to have the signature verified. Then you send it off for the apostille. You get that back in the mail. Then you upload it to the Nefesh Benefesh website and you have to keep track of all your originals. I really um, recommend like getting a notebook or a folder or some organizational way to keep track of all your forms and at what point you're in the process because mm-hmm. pretty much all of your forms are going to need an apostille. So lots and lots of paperwork, lots of sending things off. I know there are companies out there that will do all that process for you. And I say, if you have the financial means or you're not an organized person, you might want to take advantage of that. But, <laughs> but there's certain work. paperwork that there's no company that can get that for you. You you have to provide that. Yeah, there's, um, I think they have some sort of a, a release and agreement with the state that they can apply for your birth certificate, whatever, but you have to give oh, them I permission. See. You have to have signed. Yeah, I, I mean, there's, there's certain, I would imagine there's certain documentation that only you would have. Yeah, and your marriage certificate, like you you can't order like your parents' marriage certificate. <laughs> you you have to be the person involved in the marriage to get a marriage certificate. They, so, they require your parents' marriage certificate as well? No, they did not. No. They did not. But um, they could, I suppose. Um, 
for people who are born Jewish, you just need a letter from someone who, like a rabbi who will verify that your parents were born Jewish. Oh, okay. And that has to be on letterhead from a synagogue and signed in ink. It can't be like an electronic signature or something like that. Right. Um, And that's your verification. I have heard of people who've had to have like pictures of either their parents or grandparents headstones in a Jewish cemetery. Oh, interesting. You know, so that you can verify that that they were Jewish. Right. Uh, throughout their lives then you also have to have a letter from your current rabbi stating that you are an active member in the community and signed in ink again and neither of those documents of course need an apostille because there's nothing for the state to verify but um you have to keep all the originals because you have to take them downtown to the um um (laughs) To the Jewish agency where they copy everything. So you have to upload it to the Nefesh Benefesh file, but then you have to take all the originals to the office and they, I guess, copy them again and send those to Israel. And then they verify all of your documentation. And if they want more information about anything, they will let you know. So I have a disability And so they wanted to know from a doctor that I wouldn't have any problems making Aliyah physically or riding on the plane to get to Israel. So then I had to get a a letter from my doctor releasing me and stating that, you know, in his opinion, it was fine for me to make Aliyah, that I'm up to that. So um, there is a lot of... A lot of running around, a lot of papers to keep organized, a lot of processes to go through. Right, right. There are people uh, who have told me that they made Aliyah in the sense that they made Aliyah, but did not go through the legal process of making Aliyah, meaning they moved to Israel, they settled in Israel. So what is the advantage to making Aliyah officially rather than I made Aliyah, but not in an official sense? Right. Well, there are a lot of benefits that the state of Israel gives to um, to new Olim, to people who have made Aliyah. Um, they give you a cash amount of money. They actually meet you at the airport with a certain amount of cash for you to establish oh. your life there uh-huh. and help you get, you know, settled and on your feet and then once you get a bank account they deposit more money and then i think it's the first five years every month no that's the the rent subsidy so there's the original money that they that they give you in cash and then they make a deposit into your account and that lasts for four months and then in the fifth month i could be wrong on these numbers but it's all on the nefesh benefesh website and on the jewish agency website also um then you get a rent subsidy that uh lasts for the from the eighth month or the sixth month whenever your original money runs out and stops you get 
um, this money for rent and that lasts for five years, but each year it goes down by a certain amount until like the fifth year, it's like 99 shekel a month, which right now is like $33. So it definitely goes down, but in the beginning, it's a significant amount. And, um, that's really to help you get on your feet so that you don't have to feel a lot of pressure. If your Hebrew is not great, you can take the time to go to Ulpan and know that you're not a hundred percent responsible for your rent payment, um, or your mortgage payment. Um, they give you tax breaks on Israeli taxes. There's two kinds of of taxes in well three if you include income tax um you have to pay arnona which is a city tax on where you live whether you're a renter or an owner you're responsible to pay the arnona so if you rent an apartment the owner doesn't pay that you pay that along with your rent how much is that and it's a base off your rent for mortgage or it varies based on the municipality and the location oh, and the size. Oh. So, you know, if you're going to be living, like, say, in Jerusalem, in a very expensive apartment, it's going to be more than if you're living somewhere much smaller out in the country. It's going to be a lot less. So, but Nefesh, uh, not Nefesh, but Nefesh, the state of Israel gives you a 70 to 90% discount on your Arnona for the first two years, I think. And um, so that also gives you that time to sort of get on your feet, go to Ulpan, all of that. Ulpan is also included. So you have um, 10 years to use your Ulpan credit, but you can use an Ulpan credit to go and learn Hebrew um and there's different opanim that are uh, approved all over the country so uh if you want to go to one that isn't on the list of the state approved ones you can do that mm-hmm. and every time you attend they will send you a credit back so you pay for it yourself up front and then with each class that you attend they send you a reimbursement check. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, that can work for a lot of people that if you want to go to school and you need to like, maybe take some classes to like, I know medical professionals or legal professionals often right. have to take certain classes. Right. Right. And if you need to do that, they will also reimburse that. Okay. So there's a lot of financial reasons uh-huh. to, officially make Aliyah. Um, There are rules about how long you can leave the country. So if you're somebody who wants to spend, you know, half the year in America and half the year in Israel, it may not be to your benefit to make official Aliyah. It may be to your benefit to do it, um, you know, more casually rather than formally. Um, But I would definitely say you know check with nefesh benefesh tell them your plans tell them your situation their counselors are great they're very responsive and we've had nothing but a good experience with that so far so how long did the process take from start to finish i would say we started talking about it last year in july of 21 
Uh huh. And um, we are at the very, very final step now here in, you know, coming up September. So a little more than a year. And okay. a lot of that time was spent sort of chasing down documentation and getting oh, yeah. into the right offices, especially during COVID because people weren't in offices yes. during COVID. Yes. yes. So um, that was, was uh, mm-hmm. a little time consuming. Um and we have some other circumstances with both of us being divorced and, you know, there was extra documentation that was needed. So, um, I mean, documentation to ascertain that there is an actual divorce. Yeah. You have to have your original marriage certificate, which goes through the same process as the three-step processes, like your birth certificate. Right. So you have to have the original certificate issued by the state. The state has to verify that the person who signed it, had a legitimate job to sign that uh-huh. and then you have to get the apostille so that's three different you know you have to send away for the document then you have to send the document back and then you have to get the document back from them and then you send it back for the apostille so yeah. it can be frustrating and I it can be very imagine. yes 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 and there's a lot of times you know it was phone calls to track down have you sent that yet has the state processed my apostille new york of course (laughs) took much longer than nebraska did there's a few more people here (laughs) (laughs) just a few (laughs) you so um but i would say most of the time has been spent doing that so right um, if you're so, organized, it's it's not so hard. But if you're someone who has difficulty with those sorts of processes, right, right, some help from either right. a friend, a family member, or a professional, right. So oftentimes people talk about making aliyah, but they they believe that they're not qualified. What does that mean? Do you know what that means when people say they would like to make aliyah, but they don't qualify? Hmm, I really don't know what that means. I um I guess it could mean a couple of things. The first thing that would come to mind is that um there may be a question as to their uh status as a Jew. If they can't prove that their parents were Jewish, then that leaves you in a bind and you're going to need a lot more paperwork (laughs) and possibly even a conversion certificate Uh so um and that is a serious thing so if you don't qualify by the law of return which states that either that one of your two parents has to have been born jewish right or converted if if you have right right then you would Um, need conversion papers Right. You would need their conversion paperwork. Oh, I'm so sorry. (laughs) That's my fire alarm. What does a person need to do in in preparation for Aliyah? Other than Uh, the paperwork, what what kind of preparation did you need to do? And your husband as well. um, We went through uh well my husband like i said he speaks hebrew pretty well but i got online and started taking some basic hebrew courses i understand maybe a third of what people are saying around me in israel 
And so I can follow a conversation, but I can't really take part in the conversation. But nowadays, so, people people in Israel speak uh, speak English. So many speak English, yeah. but I really, um, I almost everybody speaks yeah. English, yeah. and they're really happy to help you. And when you tell them that you're, you know, Ola Hadash, Ola Hadasha, you're a new immigrant, they they really go out of their way. Right. Yeah, they're welcoming and uh yeah yeah um and we all have those stories if you've been to israel or know people who've been to israel of things that could only happen in israel yes. right and yes. um we had that happen on our pilot trip we had two huge suitcases we were lugging around on and off a train and trying to catch a bus to get to the right neighborhood to visit a friend of mine and these young people saw that we were struggling with our suitcases and they helped us and it ended up they were on a pilot trip to make aliyah also and so we get to the next station and they're like helping us with the bags and i they say where are you going and i told them and another young man was walking by and he sort of turned around he said oh you're you're going there and i said yes and he said i'm going there too so you know i'll just take you wow I mean, Beautiful. it's crazy that that doesn't happen in New York. And if it does, you should run. Right, right, <laughs> but right. in Israel, this wonderful young man and my husband said to him, you know, like, it's such a blessing to us that you're willing to do this. And mm -hmm. he said, this is what happens when you get a bunch of Jews together. Right. And I right. have to say that that attitude, that feeling of unity and achdus that you feel there was a big draw for both of us. I could imagine. I could imagine. What are you planning to do there um, in Israel when, uh, in terms of livelihood? You know, when you mm -hmm. get there, I guess you're going to be going to Ulpan. Well, one thing that, that um, people probably should know, and a lot of people I think don't know, yes, I'll be going to Ulpan, but um, as far as livelihood, I am on federal disability and have been for years and I just really can't go back to work full time. It's just not physically something I can do. So when you move to Israel, Israel has an agreement with the United States that any social security money that you're getting like disability, like, um, um, retirement income that you're getting from the government that continues. So you don't lose that by moving to Israel. That payment still comes in every month. And it doesn't affect any monies you receive from from Israel itself. Right. Interesting. So, um, you know, thank God I'm not in a situation where it's an urgent thing for me to be able to find a job right away. Although I have to tell you that um, I have talked to probably three or four different people who were like, you're an educated person. Um, you're a smart person. You learn quickly. You speak English fluently. There are attorneys that need people with those kinds of skills. Right. You don't have to be an attorney. You could just work for an attorney or work in a hospital or, you know, there's a lot of different jobs. Um, even if your Hebrew is not great. Um, so that's something to, to think about financially. Um, my husband is also on disability and he, um, 
he also um keeps keeps himself very busy he does a lot of favors for people he's a very handy guy so i imagine he'll be taking his tools with him and continue to do the kind of chesed that he he does so often here in the states um and will need to apply for disability in israel also mm-hmm. so that, that won't and as you said it will not affect whatever you receive from the united states exactly and none of that is taxable as income in israel it's not taxable as income in america and it's not taxable as income in israel so um we're in kind of a unique situation there but um if you are working like a job in the united states even though you're living in israel you really, really have to speak with a tax professional to make sure that you're not taxed twice right, on that right. kind of income. Mm-hmm. If you're working a job in Israel as an Israeli citizen, then obviously you're only paying taxes in Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's probably another reason why if you if you want to make Aliyah and work there, you'd want to do it officially so right. that you aren't in a tax situation that could get pretty hairy. Right, right. This has been extremely informative. Um, oh, people, good. <laughs> yeah, people often ask me, um, you know, can you do a show on, on Aliyah? And um, I, I wanted to get somebody who's right now in the process. And, you know, you've, you've been incredibly informative. Uh, oh, you know, well, thank the, you. Going through the steps of your experience. Um, how long would you, I know you, you mentioned before that um, you have to stay in Israel for X amount of time. So, at what point can you come to the States to visit or if you have a wedding or something to attend to or some celebration? You can come visit for a short period of time, like any time. But if you're going to come back for like six months, I think if it's longer than three months, mm-hmm. the government is going to stop some of those benefits. Oh, I see. So, okay. um, you know, like if you're getting rental assistance from the government, but you're gone for six months, they're not going to pay you those six months of yes, rental yes, assistance. Yes, yes, but yes. if you're coming back for a vacation, you want to see your family, you're going to be here for a month. That's never a problem. Thank you. So that's good to know. The other thing people should really think about too is um, getting all of your stuff. Do you ship it with you to Israel? Do you get all new stuff when you get to Israel? Do you, what do you do with all your stuff in the United States of America? What are you going to do with it? Right. Um, we are God willing going to be going um, in like three weeks. So I am in the process of selling and donating and getting rid of right. pretty much everything we own because the size of the apartments in Israel is so different than yes. the size of the apartments here in America or homes here in America. Um, what looks even like small furniture here can often look like giant furniture. Right. Sure. Sure. So we made the decision that for us, it was better to get rid of everything, start fresh, go on a little shopping spree when we get there Yes, and buy new furniture that will fit our lives in Israel rather than bring our furniture. So um, that's something to think about too. And there's lots of videos on the Nefesh Benefesh site about how to make that decision. And if you apply through them, your Aliyah counselors are great at answering those kinds of questions too. Okay. Thank you again uh, for all your information with the Aliyah process. 
Thank you to Vin News, and thank you to our audience for tuning in. Thanks for listening to The Definitive Wrap with your host, Bela Seabrow. Be sure to tell your family and friends they also can catch The Definitive Wrap on Apple Music, Spotify, Google Play, and your favorite streaming service. See you next time on The Definitive Wrap.